This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And this Two Bad Hombres episode is brought to you by both Top Cat Sales and Legacy Football. Top Cat Sales is the premier apparel distribution company for all your team apparel needs, specializing in tons of apparel brands, including Adidas, and headed by former U of M Rose Bowl winning quarterback John Wangler, who has brought tons and tons of great credibility to the company since its very first year of existence. Now, to join the Top Cat family and to go all in with Top Cat, you can call up Top Cat Monday through Friday at 248-246-1054. Once again, the phone number is 248-246-1054. And remember to follow Top Cat Sales on Twitter at Team Top Cat. And now to our newest sponsor in Legacy Football. And the Legacy Football organization was founded in 2009. It is a premier off-season development program in the state of Michigan, the Midwest, and the country. And it features a ton of former NFL and collegiate players, including the guest on this week's episode of Two Bad Hombres, former MSU All-American and Super Bowl champion Greg Jones. To find out more information about Legacy Football, please contact National Director for Football, Justin Sassante, or go to www.legacyfootballorg.com. I was trying to get an idea. I want them dead presidents. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it, get flat. I got six jobs. I don't get it. And we're still, still, still not tired on this week's episode of Two Bad Hombres. I am your host, Vito Geronimo Chirk, alongside my usual sidekick and broadcast partner and fun. That is a doc from Doc and Jack, John Charles Macaroon. John, how are you doing? Vito, I love this week. There's no better week in college football than Michigan, Michigan State Week. And this week, we got a great guest in studio representing Michigan State. I'm so thankful that you called me and said, look, we got a guest in to talk football. Who is it this week? Former Michigan State linebacker Greg Jones, who yes. played with Sparty from 07 to 2010. Yeah. And you played for D'Antonio in his first season as head coach yes. at MSU as well, which is just something to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was it's really amazing. Um, and, and honestly... Uh, I get like so right now. If you notice, right, they have some of the coolest uniforms, like for both sides, right, and 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 but more particularly Michigan State. And when I got to Michigan State, you know, Coach D was like, "We're gonna be a tradition. We're not wearing all green. We're not wearing black. We're not doing anything. It's gonna be green and white, just like it was." And now they have all green. Uh, the bronze and all that stuff and the uniform with the black is just is so awesome, man. But at the same time, like so jealous too. But um, the tr- what he's done at Michigan State since he's been there has been nothing but short of amazing to me. Um, in the, in the short span he's been there, but uh, it's it's awesome to see that. And we have a very very good relationship. And he talks and he texts and he calls me every now and then and just says I'm thinking of you, you know and. Uh, it's just it's really cool, you know. I feel like 
Um, I don't, or I don't know, but uh, I feel like most aren't doing that, you know. But he is, and he's reaching out to us, and he makes us makes us feel a part of it. He does. That's so we'll awesome. dive more into your Spartans career in a little bit because there's a yeah. lot to talk about. There's obviously, but John, by the way, Greg just turned thirty. Yeah, Big birthday. Thank you. So thank happy you. belated birthday thank to you, you as so well. Much. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Did you live it up and have a big you bash? You know what? No, I didn't. I'm not a big bash type of guy, to be honest with you, because it's just so stressful trying to put things together and all that stuff. But um, my wife and I had a nice dinner. Um, went and saw Kevin Hart in town on the same day, uh, which was perfect. And then, uh, unfortunately, unfortunate enough, we went to Michigan State. And, you know, we had a loss versus Northwestern that week. But but yeah, other than that though, man, it was it was really really awesome. It was exactly what thirty should be: super chill, nothing crazy. Had a good time. It was awesome. Well, John, you've already seen thirty too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I'll just say a couple of years ago to be there nice you to go. you. But there you go. I think it sounds good. A little bit more experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would say go. so. Yeah, I want to ask you, what was it like being on campus for homecoming? It's so special to go back yes. to East Lansing. Uh, what was that experience like for you this year? Uh, it it was awesome, um, and it was <laughs> it was kind of ironic in a sense because uh, my first start was against Northwestern um, on homecoming, and we also lost <laughs> uh, because and I and I will I take full responsibility. I, I let a screen pass go for eighty yards, and I'll never ever forget that to the day I die. But uh, but yeah, it was it was very it was very cool to go back. I love seeing all the other players and everything, getting to interact with them um, at homecoming. Oh my goodness! Uh, big flow, yeah. Flozo Adams had a, a huge tailgate for all the alumni there. It was it was awesome. It really was, and it got to meet a lot of new people and network and um, and everything. But the, yeah, I just I love it, man. You win, lose, or draw. I just I love going back um, to Spartan Stadium and, and having a blast and just watching. I'm not a guy that likes to you know if it's cold or if it's too hot, whatever. I don't like I like to be right in the mix of things and, and see everything. But yeah, it's it's awesome. And you hail all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes. And you live in the state of Michigan though. Yes, I live in the state of Michigan now, um, full time. Uh we did not go back to Ohio. Uh, my wife, uh she took me out. Um, you know, her her parents uh, have a boat up north and they took me on that boat, man. I just fell in love with it, man. And ever since then I'm like, I don't <laughs> I really don't want to go to any place else. If I go somewhere else, it's going to be really warm, that's for sure. <laughs> but other than that, though, yeah, I, I love Michigan. I um, I love the change of the seasons here, you know. But um, it's it's really my kind of town. I really feel like, you know, it um, It reminds me very, very, I know people hate to say it, but it's somewhat similar in Ohio a little bit, some places here and there. So, we, like I said, we don't have the water, though. But, yeah, it's really, really cool. So why did you end up playing football? And what's your earliest memory of playing wow, football as well? Wow. Uh, yeah, I just spoke at uh, Lanford High School, and uh, I was talking about um, my my first practice, though. But to go back farther, um, I was in karate, all right? I was, a, I was, you know, I was a blue belt. I was making my way up, right? And uh, I had to spar my sensei, and I punched him right in the mouth. Oh. And my mom, my mom didn't know how to react. Because, you know, I was the only child, and she wanted me to be tough and everything. And she said, I don't, you know, I get that you want to, you know, participate and be active, but you can't hit your sensei in the mouth, okay? And uh, I said, well, I want to be in something where I can. And, you know, I asked about football, right? And uh, and she said no. And I was like, all right. And then uh, I was at school a little bit later down the line, and I saw this flyer for football, and I asked my mom again. And then uh, (laughs) she said no. But my dad came home a little bit later than her. So right after that, 
I uh, I took that flyer. He got home, and I gave it to him. And uh, he took me to play against sports. And uh, he snuck me out on the field. And at the end of the practice, uh, my mom was there waiting. She said, you're going to keep doing this, aren't you? I said, yeah. Um, and the rest was history. My mom is not, still, I don't care what anybody says, she is the loudest fan. Look at that. <laughs> in the building. She, she, I can hear her from anywhere, you know, seriously. And so she became um, my biggest, my biggest supporter. I mean, even, um, you know, in retirement, she's always like, are you sure you're done? You know, <laughs> you sure you want to give it one more shot? Mm-hmm. You know, I know you want, still want to play. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm done. You know, my body has taken its toll. Uh, and, and mentally, you know, I have a four and a three-year-old and, um, beautiful wife at home that I, I love spending my time with. And that's all I want to be now is just be the best husband that I can possibly be. So know? doing karate led to playing football and to hitting it, people. It did. It did, you know, because I, I, I went to linebacker, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my dad, you know, when I started playing, one of the reasons why I chose linebacker more full time, uh, my dad took me to a Bengals game. I'm still a diehard Bengals fan. And, uh, and I, and, but, but conversely, we went to Bengals versus the Ravens game and who was playing Ray Lewis. And so I was like, I saw him play. He was just tearing people up. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, my dad wanted me to play running back. Uh, his one of his favorite players growing up was uh, Sweetness, um, Walter Payton, and 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 I, he showed me film. And I played a little running back, but man, the biggest thing I, I wanted to do though was just I want to tackle and hit people, man. So um, yeah, I was just like I said, I was talking in high school, and it made me miss football so much, man, just so much. So you wanted to lay some hits, obviously, man. and you became a tackles machine. I believe you a led Michigan bit. State all four years all in four tackles years, too, which all is crazy. Four years, which was which was crazy. Um, you know, coming in, I was I was not highly I wasn't highly taught. I wasn't. I was a two star, and I just got my third star because I committed to Michigan State. I remember I'm like, man, like if I can just get on the team, get on the field, um, I can prove myself. And uh, it didn't start out great. You know, my first two scrimmages, I was just telling the guys, uh, my first scrimmage I had 13 minuses. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, but I had eight tackles. <laughs> and then my next scrimmage, I had seven, uh, seven minuses. And eventually, by by the time we got to practice stuff, I had almost zero to maybe one one mental error mistake. And uh, but yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing process to go through that. You know, I and it wasn't that hard. I think the hardest part about um, starting, especially as you're younger, is that you have to earn the respect of the older guys there, those juniors and seniors, right? Um, but when you're a freshman, you know, trying to make that happen, it was very, very tough. I mean, these guys were dropping me off at practice. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So uh, it, it was really, really cool to be a part of that, though. But, you know, I just kept my head down, kept working. Take us through the recruiting process. How did you end up at Michigan State? Was that your first choice to attend and play college football? Yes. Uh, the the recruiting process was – it was tough. Um, um, I was getting a lot of letters, everything, but no real offers. And then – uh, my senior year came, and you know I've been talking to Coach D a lot. He wanted me really bad um, at the University of Cincinnati, and you know I I said no. You know towards the end of my junior year and and going into my senior year, I had my first offer from the Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers, and you know I had a great great conversation with Kerry Bailey, um, and he was he was my recruiter, and I had a great conversation with Glenn Mason at the time. Uh, he was a head coach at the time, and it was it was awesome. And, and I com- eventually I committed. Um, it was you know it was my opportunity to play in the Big Ten, and then the bowl game happened. 
they were up, I believe, either 35-7 or 45-7. I can't remember. Uh, but they played Texas Tech, and Michael Crabtree had about three or four touchdowns unanswered, and they lost that game. And after that, uh, Glenn Mason was let go uh, that very next day, and and they hired Brewster. And I just didn't see eye to eye with what his vision that he had for me. Um, not to say he's a bad or good guy or anything, we just didn't see eye to eye on that stuff. But um, and then Coach D got the job to go to Michigan State after John L. Smith left, and the rest was history after that. It really was. And uh, you know, he said, "Come up for a visit." You know, I'm taking you and Garrick Selleck. Garrick, who still plays. Uh, for the 49ers now, and he took us, and we went on a visit, and it was amazing, and I fell in love with it, and, uh, you know, then they offered me, and then I started getting some more, and right after that, I started getting all types of offers from everywhere. Um, ended up with about seven or eight offers uh, from Division One, and, and, you know, I, <laughs> I got an offer from NC State late, and I told Coach D, I said, I'm not going to go to NC State. I just want to go and go to, you know, go there for her. Uh, a visit and have some fun. He says, listen, if you go there, I want to take a scholarship. He says, just come back, <laughs> come see a game, and come hang out here. It'd be great. And I did, and I fell in love, and I committed, and, uh, and that was it. So what was D'Antonio's sales pitch to you to get you to state? Honestly, he said that I would have a shot to play as a freshman and at, at, at that level, at that stage, and that's all I wanted. I knew I could prove myself from there, and he gave me that shot, and I, I didn't let him down. How much did he change from year one when you started there to your senior season and wow. his fourth year in East Lansing? Wow. He he changed a lot, um, you know, and, and for the better. Um, he, he, he first, it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, it was a removal process. You know, he cleared all he cleared all the bad weeds, you know, and, you know, there were some guys that he had to get rid of. And, you know, and don't, don't get me wrong, those are, they were good guys that just didn't fit the team. And, you had to get rid of those guys, and then the next year, um, my sophomore year, uh, was about you know continue to earn our respect, um, and then my junior year, it was about shining in the spotlight, and uh, we had that that year we lost like several games by by one or two points, you know what I mean, and we it was we very easily could have been um, a top five team that year. Um, in a nation, but we were just we just lost the the close games, and then our senior year, uh, his his model, you know, was about executing and finishing, and we just started finishing teams, and you know, led to ten and two. Um, obviously, did not play very well against Alabama my senior year, um, but but him changing though, I mean, it was a process. It was like we were growing with them together, and and he learned a lot about us. He learned a lot about himself. And you know he really uh, he helped mold that team that that year at least that class so it was it was so awesome it was cool. Now when you say weeding out the bad guys, are you saying guys that maybe were me first guys or guys that maybe now that there's a new scheme didn't fit in? What did you mean specifically by Mark D'Antonio had a job to do that first year of maybe uh, molding the team more in his vision? It, it it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both. We we had uh, we had we had guys that thought that extracurricular was more important than the team. And then we also had guys that just did not fit did not fit the scheme, you know, and um whether it be body type or, or whatever the case may be or I'm sorry, athleticism and talent. Um one of the two. Uh but but yeah, it was just, it was a little bit of both, but it was one of those things uh that 
that was like, man, like I, I hope I'm one of the guys that fit the team. Um, and I was, but yeah, it was, it was an attitude adjustment too. I think that was the biggest thing was that some guys just had horrible attitude, you know, didn't want to change, didn't want to fit in, always asking questions, you know, just, I'm like, man, like if you just all, if we all bought in, what what, what could happen, you know, because athletically we had some, we had a lot of gifted players. We did though, but I mean, you had guys that are just in their other stuff other than what you came there to do. So in 2009, your junior season, yeah. you had a hell of a season. Yeah. You really did. Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. You had multiple National Linebacker of the Year yeah. honors. Yeah. You had a Big Ten leading amount of tackles right. as well. Right. You did it all. And right. like you said, you had a lot of close calls as mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. But for you as a junior with all of those individual accolades, yeah. what kind of a season was that for you? Man, it was it was, it was was an amazing thing. And um, and one, one thing that I remember, so go. I would like to actually – to, to actually to set the stage for my for my junior year, I like to talk about my sophomore year. Um, uh, really sorry, my freshman year too. So my freshman year I went freshman American, right? Led my team in tackles, you know, all that good stuff. I was one of like few players that ever do that Division One. Uh, I, I did that, and then I got to my sophomore year. I decided to kick it, you know, relax, you know, um, not work as hard, you know, and just rely on my on my God given ability. Uh, which was a horrible mistake because, uh, and I tell people this a lot, you know, I was a three-time All-American, three-time All-Big Ten, and had I stayed with the focus that I had, I could have very easily been a four-time All-American, four-time All-Big Ten. Um, but that the reason that led to my junior year because I grinded and worked my butt off so hard in that offseason season of my um or before leading into my junior year, I said I would not I would not have another thing like that. It happened to me again. And that's where all that came from. Just a, a continuous grind, keep my nose to the ground, stay out the party scene, um, in the summer, just work and grind and make it happen, do whatever it takes, um, and read and film and do everything just and make sure my grades were good and, and not lacking anything that could uh, possibly happened and 2009 happened man and I just I was all over the place I I felt good you know my body was feeling good um, I didn't have any any health issues at all um, I just felt great and my I was focused you know I was focused and I and I I know I wasn't technically a captain that year but I was a leader on that team and um, and that's what I wanted to do I wanted to be a leader on that team but you have to work for that. Did you think about leaving state after that to enter the NFL draft because of how great of a season a you doubt. had? Without a doubt. So what made you stay at state then for um, your senior campaign? It, it was. I'm not gonna lie, man. That <laughs> that off season was, I think, one of the most difficult off seasons I've ever had in my career. Um, I was losing sleep. I, it was hard for me just to stay focused. Um, you know, you look at draft boards and you're hitting calls and. Greg Jones could be a first rounder, a second rounder. I don't. I think he should stay a year. If he left now, he would be a sick. You know, all these, every single thing you could possibly imagine. Agents calling, everything. Everybody's trying to figure what I'm going to do. Literally, people just calling. Hey, what are you going to do? What are you thinking about doing? And it was tough. Um, and then my father sat me down and he said, "Listen, he says you know you're going to play NFL either this year or next year, but what can you sleep with at the end of the day?" And it was, and I looked and I thought about that for such a long time because it was so simple, but it was very hard. And he said, and when he said that to me, I thought about, 
I could easily, I could sleep. I don't get me wrong. Money is money. You know, I get it. But at the end of the day, like what is going to be said about me at this school will last for a long time. Not about how much money I made. Like that's, that's, that's great and everything. But what you did and I, I would go back and look at that wall with all the Big Ten championships and everything, and I said, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do, um, along with, you know, working closer to finishing my degree as well, too. But at the same time, though, I wanted a legacy that was going to last forever. And and that's why I came back my senior year, because I wanted a legacy that's going to last forever. And I knew I had the right guys in the room to do so. I mean, I had a guy like Kirk Cousins is my quarterback. You know what I mean? Like I had the right guy on offense to lead that team, um, lead lead that side of the team as well too. And so, um, at the end of the day, that's why I came back. And on a more personal, that's what I wanted to do because I wanted that legacy. At the end of the day, how did Coach D'Antonio handle that? How did he address that with you when you had to talk with him? He drove to Cincinnati to meet with me. He drove four and a half hours to meet with me, and. Uh, you know, I you know I prayed about it, and I, and I told my parents my decision, and everything, and they were happy about it as well too. Um, so when Coach D got there, you know, he was ecstatic, he was pumped, you know, and so um, it was a good trip from him, you know what I mean? And uh, and he was a guy, you know, he, he laid everything out. He was honest. He was like, you know, some some teams come in here and ask about you, and some teams don't, you know. So I can't gauge whether or not you know where you're where you're at right now. I know. You will get drafted if you did leave. Um, I'm not telling you when you'll get drafted because nobody knows that. But but at the same time, no, anything can happen, right? Like I could go back. I could break every bone in my body, you know, anything, right? And so uh, it was a lot to think about. But at the same time, man, I, I knew where my heart was at. I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I'm happy with my decision. Um, I, I think a lot of times uh, people ask, like, oh, what about the money you left on the table? I said, what money was there? There was nothing promised to me. There was zero. There's nothing promised to me. I mean, I could, I could, I could go in the second round and make a lot of money, but I could also. What happens if I go and I never win a Super Bowl, right? And you won a Super Bowl, so was, worked out in that you, respect you get as what well, I'm professionally. Saying, yeah, right? because after that, that's all gravy, you mm-hmm. know. Because you know you can make money doing anything. Everybody knows that, you know. And so, um, you know, that that's one of the things that I, I think about today is that like I'm I'm very happy with my decision. There was nothing. I, I think I learned a lot too in that process too. So. It was great, man. I have no no issues about that at all. Well, you planned it out perfectly. Yeah. Not that you could have, but in 2010, you guys claim a share of the Big Ten mm-hmm. championships. You come back to win a Big Ten title, and you get a share of the Big Ten title in right. your senior campaign. Right. Pretty much leave it on top. Well, almost leave it yeah, on top, right? right? Right. But describe that season, and, and when did you know that you guys had a shot at winning the Big Ten? I knew we had a shot in training, believe it or not, actually before training camp. So in that summer all the guys start showing up to all the 7v7s, extra lifts, runs, everything. And and not only just showing up, but they gave amazing effort. All the seniors were all in agreement. We're going to we're going to harp on our young guys to do things. We're going to harp on our, guy, our young guys to be involved in special teams and to make sure not only that too, but make sure they know where they fit in and that they're a part of our team. And so when I saw that happening, from a mentality standpoint, I knew we had a shot. It wasn't so much in the games. Like, the game is the game, right? But the but the true game is won, right, in, in before, well before you play that game. And so um, that's when I knew we were going to have a shot at that, at that title. 
And then speaking of young guys on that team, and you know, mm. you wanted to get them to buy in, and guys mm. were. Well, Le'Veon Bell was a freshman yes. on that 2010 team. Yes, yes. And look at what he became since. Oh, my goodness. What was it like playing alongside him, and did you envision him ever becoming as good as he has become with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, Man, it's it, Le'Veon, man, when he first got there, he was a little bit chubbier than he, than he was now. But he could stick and move like no other, man. I was like, I, I knew then he would be special. Um, he never backed down from anything. Like he would, when we did one-on-ones or anything, he would challenge you, man. He didn't care who he was going against. Um, his mindset was that he was going to win. And so I had a lot of respect for him at a at an early start, man. And so to see where he's become now is without a doubt in question that that was what he wanted um, now, the amount of success that he is having in the NFL, like I don't think anybody really saw that coming out. I mean, um, yeah, we knew he was going to be great, but what he's been able to do and make himself um, as one of the top running backs in the league, maybe the top running backs to ever really play the game, um, that, I mean, that's just tough to really to, – to, to, to say that you knew that coming, I don't think anybody saw that coming. He was a second rounder. Right. So think about it. Well, then a first round talent will base down where right. he was drafted. Right. And now what he's become. And, and now he's held out for all these weeks in the NFL regular season. Killing I got to ask you about killing what are your my thoughts? fantasy, man. And he's killing all of our fantasy teams. my fantasy, I know, man. right? He's killing everybody's fantasy Levy team. Iron, man. Just let Please me get know. Back, right? Send me a text. <laughs> Unless you have James Conner. Unless you have him, then you're doing all right. I don't right. have James Conner. I mean, I'm in a few different leagues. You know, I got you know, I got Saquon. Um, I got Joe uh, Mixon from the Bengals. They've done well, but they're not Le'Veon Bell <sighs> and what he's produced fantasy yeah, wise, right? You know what I'm saying? Because he can he can run and catch. So um, in PPR leagues, you know, what I mean, he's a killer. Um, so I mean, he was easily a first round draft pick, and then that happened. I was like, good God Almighty! But uh, but anyhow, man, yeah, it's my my thoughts are this is that. At that position for running back is one of the toughest to play. It really is, and almost at any level, but especially in the NFL. And he has to set a standard because you know he's a little, like you say, he's a little younger than me. Um, he's reaching, he's obviously in this prime right now. But I, I gotta say, he's playing for the future, you know. And, and I get that. And and the kind, the next contract he signed is going to be obviously a longer one, but. Yeah, he's playing for the future, and I, and I respect that, and, and, and I get that. It's just, for me, I'm like, man, it's, it's hard to turn down $800,000 a week. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, which is what he's doing. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, it's but a he's sacrifice. looking to get paid handsomely long term, uh, right? Which I believe, which yeah. I believe, um, you know, and, and you know, hopefully, you know, he, he he's okay and, um, you know, nothing happens uh, in the process um, from there, though. But, yeah, I, I honestly, I wish the best for him, and I understand where he's coming from, and, and that's okay. I get it. You know, I just wanted a heads up for fantasy. You I don't know. know. Come I on, look over your fantasy football owners. What's I'm, more important, your pocketbook or us? All joking aside, I know, right? But, right? We're all hurt yeah. by it. We oh, all are. Man. We have them on I our am, teams. I've been getting crushed, man. <laughs> I literally, somebody just tried to trade Le'Veon for Saquon to me today. I said, there's no way, man. No, you can't give up I on Le'Veon. Yeah, no. Dude, you, well, he can't give Le'Veon. I can't give up on Saquon. So I'm yeah, like, there's yeah. no way, man. There's no way. I don't blame you for thinking that way. And then, so Kirk Cousins has yes. gotten paid. And yes. now with the Vikings as yes. their starting quarterback, yes. obviously. Yes. What was he like as a teammate at Michigan State? Oh, man, I was just saying this earlier. Uh, he was awesome. As a freshman, he was very different. Um, wasn't like as talkative as he is now, uh, but as a freshman, he was very, very different. He was, I will never forget this. He was the only, uh, I want to say draft pick. Um, he was the only, uh, recruit, 
um, as, as a freshman, incoming freshman, because I, I got there early as well, too. But he was the only one to bring a dry erase board. He's the only one. Wow, very unique guy. Yes. You knew right then and there he was, I was pretty like, darn unique. Wow. Huh? Yeah. I mean, he was the only, he was drawing the plays in his room. Um, he didn't go out, nothing, didn't hang out, anything like that. But, yeah, he was he was the only one to do that. And I think that's when I knew he was going to be uh, very special. And then he just started to really mold himself and become a bigger and bigger leader. Um, obviously big in his faith as well, too. Um, in that aspect, but yeah, just a great guy. We've been able to stay in touch here and there. Obviously, not as so much now during the season, but we talk in all season every now and then too. And back to you and your playing career. Yes. So you ended up getting drafted by the yeah. New York Football Giants, right? And then you won a Super Bowl championship as yeah. a rookie. Yeah. I mean, how great is that? Doc and I would die for that almost. I mean, we would love. There's so many players that would love that oh opportunity. You had that opportunity yes. as a rookie with yes. Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin. And yes, how was that season? How crazy of an experience and great of an experience was that for <sighs> Man. you? That that whole season was just it was nuts, man. It really was. So um let's go from the beginning. It was a lockout year, right? I mean we got <laughs> I had one guy tell me, uh, he says, I got drafted. He says, You think you're gonna play this year? <laughs> and I said, Without a doubt I'm gonna play this year. Because yeah. players were worried, but yes. you weren't worried. No, you weren't worried I, at all. I wasn't. You know, it, it was tough. You know what I mean? It was very tough to just sit there and just wait and wait and uh-huh. wait. It was a waiting game. It was a and huge waiting game. Probably mentally grinding, right? When you have to wait all that time. You didn't, I mean, you didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, some guys are saying this season won't happen until week six or week eight. You know, all these crazy things, right? Um, but it, it, it had to happen. I'm glad it happened. There's a lot of new things that, you know, came into effect that. I think I benefited from, you know, I mean, no two-a-days, you know what I mean? That was awesome. You know, it really was because um, we just got done in Michigan State doing, you know, crazy, you know, not crazy two-a-days, but they were tough. They were hard. Um, and then to go into that, that was awesome. But um, And then you get into the season, and then for me, uh, I was uh, – I got in I was, uh, on the third or fourth string or something like that, and then uh start working my way up, get to the second string, and then I want to say it was Wednesday or Thursday um, during that first week. And uh, the starting middle linebacker, uh, John Goff, got a torn ACL in uh, practice, shorts, not even pads, um, where he bumped the knee of another guy and he walked off, you know, no big deal. Um, so I stepped in for rest of practice, and then I get a call late that night, like John's not going to, um, John's not, he's out for the season, and you're up, you're starting. And uh, against the Redskins, I had my first game, and uh, I ended up having like five or six tackles or whatever, and a couple of tackles for loss. We lost, but we lost that game, but um, everybody was very, very excited about me at the time. I think uh, I think for one week <laughs> I was leading the league in tackles uh, as, a, as a rookie, you know, and I felt so good about myself, and it was awesome. And um, there was ups and downs with that too, you know. The playbook got harder and harder for me um, because I didn't have training camp, right? I went in, no training camp. So, uh, or no, uh, sorry, no mini camp mm-hmm. um, as well. We had to have training camp, but no mini camp and no rookie no rookie camp either. So I, it took me a t- long time to learn that playbook. It was, a, it was a huge learning curve. And just to adjust to being in the NFL. Um, and, and things got tough for me. Um, I made some mistakes. Uh, I'm not taking credit for all those mistakes. Uh, uh, There's some stuff that was given to me, and that's okay. Um, 
but yeah, and I got I got demoted and I got started again. I went back and forth, back and forth, um, and then they end up bringing in Chase Blackburn, uh, who's now the um, special teams coordinator for the Carolina Panthers now, uh, and they brought him in. Which honestly, in my honest opinion, he should have never left. Uh, he deserved to stay, but they cut him and whatever. And then, but they brought him back and. Um, you know, did a great job, and I was his backup in the Super Bowl, and I still played in the Super Bowl as well too, though. But um, that whole year was crazy. I mean, we went into the playoffs eight and eight. You know, yeah. With nobody, nobody counted us do anything. We we weren't supposed to make it out the wild card against the Falcons, which was um, Gonzalez's uh, last game. Right. Now I want to ask you this because a lot of people um, really like to talk about coaches and things like that. Now mm-hmm. you were coached by Mark D'Antonio and Tom Coughlin, correct? And Michael Strahan famously came out and said, "Look, prior to you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin was a beast. And I mean, he'd mm-hmm. talk about if you don't show up five minutes early to practice, you're in big trouble. TC time, exactly. TC and, time. And Strahan, you know, had to go and say, look." If you ease up just a little bit, be it just a little bit more player-friendly, we can take this a long way. And look what happened. Two Super Bowls, a man now that's widely respected, working with organizations and really helping organizations out. What was it like? What are some similarities between Coughlin and Mark D'Antonio? What was your experience like working with that great coach? Honesty. Honesty. Both coaches uh, told you where you stood to their to their best of ability, right? Um, you know, everybody's human, but... Both coaches always like, listen, you're a starter. I need this from you. Or you're a backup. This is what you got to do to become a starter. Um, but that honesty is what I I loved about both coaches so much and, and respected. Um, and it really molded me as a player. And, you know, I'm I'm taking this year off. I've been asked to coach a lot. So I'm taking this year off to really think about what I want to do or where I want to coach at, though. But but yeah, as a coach, that's that's the best thing that you can offer a kid is just be honest with them, even though it's tough, you know, sometimes uh, to to give that honesty. But sounds like you felt like he was fair. So I thought I thought he was fair. You know, you know, I mean, if you don't produce, how can you play? It's the bottom line, you know. And so, um, but yeah, the honesty was just so amazing. It really was. Honesty is essential, and yes. it's a bottom line industry, right? If you're not performing, you're not going to eventually play. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I actually learned that term from Plaxico. You know, because Plaxico ended up uh, giving the speech at my rookie symposium, and he told everybody, "He says, what have you done for me lately?" Type of business, and um, you know, he said, "I get it. You're excited about playing in NFL, but understand, you know, if you don't ball out, man, like you're gonna get cut." You know, and, and I tell people um, now, like the NFL um, in college too, if you're not dominant, then you're not relevant either just the way it is and um I don't and inconsistency in that same in that same stance at the, at the same time is near too because you have to be consistently dominant you just can't be one year this and one year that like it has to be consistent in order to stay and stay relevant then we have to ask what was it like preparing for Tom Brady because arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time you're working you're seeing the film you know that at that point in time in his career he knows what's going on he has the ability to read defenses what was what were some of the messages that you had? What were the keys to trying to stop Tom Brady? Interesting enough, uh, the exact opposite of consistency. Because Tom Brady loves consistency on defense. He loves for you to give him the same front every time. He's gonna tear you up though. We had to confuse him. You had to confuse him, throw something new at him as best you possibly could. At the same time, he knows that we're gonna probably do something different as well too. But to try to mix it up as much as you possibly can. 
that that was tough, you know what I mean? Because we had to remember our stuff and try to remember what he was going to do, you know, all these different sets and then preparing for uh, Gronk and Adam, you know what I mean, all these different guys. Uh, Welker at the time when he was on the team, I mean, it was just it was just tough, um, including the special teams as well too, you know, which was more uh, so where I was at in that department as a, as a key and core special teamer um, on that team, you know, that was tough as well too. Uh, but yeah, it was preparing for Tom Brady and and Bill Belichick was was very very tough and it, and you have to be knowing going to the game knowing that this is gonna go down to the to the wire. You can't thinking you're just gonna blow a team out like that. You're you're nuts. You're, you're there's no way you have to go into the game knowing that's gonna be a four quarter battle and possibly even overtime. Did you have some butterflies going into that game too? Because I would imagine I would. I would be a nervous wreck. I'll be honest with you. I told people I have. Uh, I call them pregame jitters. Every single game I play. Um, be honest with you. I never ever went into a game like I got this. You know what I mean? No. I think if it means something to you, you're always going to have a little pregame jitters a little bit. You know, and it's just one of those things. And uh, don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? You you stay confident and everything, but you always have a little pregame jitters. I always tell people I always have pregame jitters to get my first hit. And after I get my first hit in, I'm locked in, ready to go though. But you always got those first pregame jitters though. What was that Giants locker room like? And playing alongside Eli Manning, being led by Eli. Yeah. It, what was that like for it, you? You know what? We went through a transformation process. I'll be honest with you because um, prior to prior to us beating the Jets. Um, which led to us going on the, uh, that long winning streak. Mm-hmm. We were on a four-game losing streak first. And and it was a real change in the locker room that needed to happen. And um, not only do I credit um, Eli for that, but I also like to credit Justin Tuck as well, too, um, on the defensive side of the ball. He was a guy that, um, you know, when we looked at him, he says, listen, he says, I, I get it. You know, you guys see me doing big things and making plays and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's going to take more than just me. And – uh, he kind of just brought himself down to our level as, you know, the other guys. I mean, because nobody really was getting that much, getting paid that much as him on the defense was Justin Tuck. And, um, you know, we had Justin Tuck, JPP, uh, Chris Kenny. Um, oh, my goodness, I'm missing missing on a few guys. Oh, O.C. Renor as well, too. That pass uh, rush. Oh, my gosh. Extremely oh my gosh. impressive, Ma- right? Matthias Kiwanuka, who's uh, 6'7", 250-pound defensive end. I mean, my gosh. Um, you know, just amazing, amazing guys that can rush the passer as well, too. But everybody wanted a sack. Everybody wanted to pick, you know. And and then he just brought it down and he said, listen, we're all not going to have that, man. If we want to win, we got to do this together. You know, if we want to go far, go together, right? And so, um, and that's what happened. You know, that's what happened. We started to just realize, listen, man, if this is your game to ball out, then you ball out and I do what I got to do. And, and eventually, man, it just came to let's just win. Let's just win this game and do whatever it takes to win this game. If it needs to be extra in the, in the um, film room or whatever, extra field time to walk through plays, whatever the case may be, just let's make sure we can get it done. And so, um, and that's what we did. And we we stayed consistent. We became more dominant, and we and eventually we won. Yeah. And who was the biggest mentor to you on that Giants team? Man, a lot of guys to choose from right now. It is a lot of guys to choose from. It is a lot of guys to choose from. Um, I was, man, mentor. I would say Tuck was a guy who I leaned on a lot for advice and things like that. Um, Michael Boley uh, was also on that team uh, who started next to me as well when I when I started. Um, I would say those two guys um, I interacted with the most um, really, really helped me out a lot too, yeah. So the clock hit zero, zero, zero. 
The New York Giants are Super Bowl champs, champions of the world. A whole season put in place, all the hard work, uh, all the time spent with the fellas, film work, the game, the season, all the pressure in the postseason, the ultimate pressure of going through and playing in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What goes through your mind when it hits 0-0-0 and you're celebrating there on the field with your, with your fellas? Just life-changing. I just, at that moment, I realized my life would never be the same, and it hasn't been. I'll be very honest with you. Um, you know, my life changed for the better in that standpoint. I mean, the calls, the texts, the media, you know, going back home to Cincinnati, uh, coming back here to Michigan, um, it, it was just, it was amazing, man. It was, it really was. And, um, I mean, the parade, you know, the key to the city, you know, to do it in New York, yeah, the media cap of the York, world. Oh my gosh. It was, it was amazing. You know, having my face, um, on, <laughs> On the ESPN, you know, meeting Al Roker and, you know, all these really cool things, man. It was just, it was awesome, man. Yeah, guys that you never thought you would meet, no, too, right? No, like, like Flavor Flav asked me for a picture, you know? Really? I mean? That's crazy. Yeah, you know, it was it was so, so cool. So, um, yeah, we just, uh, that's, the, that's the best way I can put it. It's just, it's life-changing. It really is. Because your, your mindset, everything you're doing would just never be the same. It, it won't because forever people will say you're, you're a champion. You know? so, something in particular I just wanted to know. What were you benching at the time, your rookie year? Gosh, I was, I, w- I was doing like three, 315, 335 for reps. Yeah, I was repping that. So I was repping that pretty good. I, a couple of times I hit 405, you know, but um, yeah. About four or five, four fifteen, somewhere around there, um, which you know, I still to this day, you know, oh, you know, you can always do better, right? You know, mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I was about there, you know, trying to get back and do things like that, man. That was what I was benching though too. And then uh, another thing, man, was um, proposing to my wife, you know, um, on the field after the game, dude, uh, which I didn't think was going to make news, you know, I didn't. When I when I, my mindset was like, you know, I'm going to propose to her. And uh, I'm going to do it to the side, but I'm doing it on the field. <laughs> uh, what I didn't know was that it was the same time that Eli was receiving his uh, MVP oh, so they got that. Uh, award. So I'm thinking, like, you know, hey, even better. Discreetly. Yeah, not even more discreet. And that was the— so It went viral, right? It spread like wildfire at We're that. talking TMZ, Good Morning New York, <laughs> uh ESPN, I mean, all the big stuff that, you know, we, they wanted interviews here, everything. Uh, it was it was it was national, you know what I mean. And then uh, we went to the ESPYS. I thought I was gonna hit up at the ESPYS, you know what I mean. It was just it was amazing. It really was. So uh, just some just just life changing altogether, man. It really was cool. Really a whirlwind experience, right? It sounds like it definitely. Oh Every goodness. outlet picked up that and yeah, back home, everywhere, you know, all over, man. I was getting hit up, man. So it was awesome. It really was, yeah. Yeah, and now. Your Giants experience, where does that rank among the best experiences that you've ever had? It's at the top. It is at the top because I matured during that year. We won that year. I proposed to my wife that year. Um, it, it ranks at the top because I learned so much, you know. And don't get me wrong, though. My 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 time at Michigan State um, was is right up there, you know what I mean? But to, to win um, where we're at, where, the way we did win and – Going into playoffs, like I said before, eight and eight. To get that playoff experience yes. and to come from where you guys were in the yeah. regular season, right? Yeah, an incredible run. Incredible run. I mean, and then we had such we had a lot of turnovers. As, I mean, as well in 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 our staff and in the team. You know, we had a lot of guys in and out. Um, and I tell the young guys a lot. They say what the NFL is like trying to make it. I'm like, you know, I had I had a new guy 
next to my locker every week, if not every day. Like a wow. new a new player, new player, and it was tough, you know, seeing that. You know, it was super. Super, super tough. Does that make you want to work harder than to keep your spot too? Because you so see much. it's a rotating door. Guys are leaving or revolving door and guys yeah. are leaving left and right. So much, so much. It, it was, it, it made me work that much harder and prepare in the off season, which I did. And um, and then and when I got released from the Giants, you know, Coach Coffin putting in the paper, it's one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Um, because he, I'm thinking his, in his heart of hearts, he wanted to do that, but it wasn't, as they say, a numbers game in the business, right? So, um, but it, it, it is what it is, and so it's all right, though. But, you know, I'm, my name will forever be on a Lombardi trophy. That's know? awesome. A testament yeah. to you, then, and yeah. your hardworking yeah, yeah, ethic, yeah, yeah. right, or way of going about things and being a hard worker, yeah. right? Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm very honest, and I tell this uh, to the kids a lot, too, um, that it's it's about being clear about your goals mm-hmm. and what you want. And when you can be clear about what you want, then all of a sudden everything that doesn't help you get to where you get to starts to fade away. And and that's what started to happen for me is that it, it started back in my senior year of college or junior college. I started being more and more clear, 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 clear about what I wanted. And eventually – all the things that weren't going to help me got out of my way and what I needed to be with me or needed needed with me on the, on my path and my journey started to happen and it came into fruition. Now, post-retirement, what has Greg Jones been up to? Uh, it, it, it's funny you say <laughs> I laugh um, because on the intro song, <laughs> it, you know, saying I got six jobs, I don't get tired. I was like, man, that kind of sounds like me. You got a, a ton of jobs, yeah. don't you? So uh, right now, currently, um, I just took over as a vice president uh, for Vane Protective Gear. Um, it's just a mouth guard company uh, right now. We're developing some new technologies coming out soon that I'm not um, able to talk about. Uh, not be, yet, at least. Not, not yet. Not yet. Spill the beans later yeah, on would, another segment, be, let's say. I would be in super big trouble if uh-huh. I did that. And don't do that. Yeah, I'm not doing that, though. But right now, uh, we have a V1 right now, which we're calling our, our, our first mouth guard that has uh, two sensors in it uh, to let people know um, based on G-Force. Uh, if they get hit hard enough, um, those sensors will turn bright red, um, and you'll know if you need to get checked for a concussion. We're not saying that you have a concussion or anything like that, just that you need to get checked. It's an extra precaution uh, for both the player or all three, the player, the coach, um, and the physical trainer at that time being as well too. So um, that's the that's the thing. I'm kind of got a lot of my energy at right now. The other thing as well, um, I'm still with Legacy Football as well um, as the assistant national director. Uh, alongside Justice Asante, has built an amazing, amazing, amazing program. Um, we got a lot of big things going right now. More currently coming up um, is our All Star that's coming. All Star game that's coming up for all the players uh, without scholarship. Without scholarship, so it's an amazing opportunity. The thing for me for that week will be opportunity uh, because it's, it's going to be all those guys that say, "Coach, I need to do this and what I got to do." Here's your opportunity, and it's going to be on Fox Sports, you know. And, That's huge. And so I, I want to, you know, commend Justin again. I told him face-to-face, face and I gave him a big hug, but he falls so hard to get the job done. I'm so, so proud of him and what he's been doing there. Um, I'm also uh, with the Alliance Coalition for Healthy Communities, uh, and my program is called Life is Your Playbook. Um, make every day your best play. And, and basically what that program does is I go around or I have other speakers going around talking about the importance or awareness really of alcohol and drug abuse among high school athletes. 
And it's something that I'm super passionate about. You know, I grew up in the inner city of Cincinnati, and I saw a lot of athletes who I thought were amazing, even better than me, uh, have poor decisions and end up dead or in jail. And, are you know, and it's just it's tough to watch that. And I get it. The environment was part of that as well, too. But in the day, we all make decisions, you know. And so um, that's something that I go around, I talk, and I share some stories and personal stories that um, I share with the guys that happened to me in my personal life um, that I can reflect on as well, um, that let them see the other side of things, that what happens when you make the wrong decisions. Because at that high school age, you feel invincible, you know. You feel like you can't be stopped and you're never going to make a wrong decision. And now with these guys with the guys and girls with the phones, uh, this the information generation, and they they can look up and do anything they want to do in a heartbeat. There's more younger uh, high school entrepreneurs <laughs> or adult, you know, uh, entrepreneurs out there as well too. And so, um, the reason why I bring it up because a lot of those guys and girls don't see the opportunity that they have in front of them. And I, and I just was telling, I was uh, talking at Lambs for High School today, and I was telling them, um, you know, my lad did a two day speech with them, um, where uh, two. I talked two different days, but for two hours. Uh, but I was just talking, and I'm like, this is it. This is the last time um, you're going to be able to be with somebody for four years, you know? You're going to – you learn so much about somebody when you put them – Life changes quick, right, quick, when you get to college, too. You have quick. to, And you have to change. You become yes, more mature because yes. of life experiences, yes. right, that you have in college that you don't get the opportunity to have in high yes. school. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. And then – um, the other thing I'm doing as well too, um, I shouldn't say thing, but another business that me and my wife have together, uh, we've joined Rodan and Fields, a skincare company, um, that allows us to have our own business. We have about 180 girls underneath us right now and guys as well too on our team, um, across, uh, the U S and Canada. And, uh, it's, it's so, it's just an amazing, amazing business. Um, that's provided so much for me and my wife, a lot of free time. And, um, and it's, it's great, man. You know, we get to travel and do, do things, you know, uh, the company provides all expense paid trips. Sometimes, um, the convention was amazing. Um, we just left New Orleans. It was, we had, had a great, great time for about six days. It was, it was awesome, man. Um, so we got to learn a little bit, have a little fun, um, had some new products that got released, man. So, um, I'm a pretty busy guy, man, and I, I still do my trainings on the side. I'm, I'm by request, though, so that's a personal thing. If you want to get trained by me, please message me. I mean, I'm not soliciting anything, but just message me and go from there. So you have an array of jobs. I mean, how do you make time for yourself, your personal life? Yeah, and it sounds like you got no, you stuff know going what, on all though, the time, too. With all that, there are still a lot of gaps where I can find time with my family, believe it or not. There really are because I don't train every day, you know. I'm not always talking about skincare every day or mouth guards or legacy or anything you know there are still a lot of gaps where i'm able to find time um with my family and and it's great you know you know i don't have any really set office hours i create my own schedule from every day and i go from there now i do want to get a sense real fast about the current 2018 michigan state spartans because they are ranked number one in Mm -hmm. terms of run defense and they got a great linebacker too in joe bocce yes i know he's got a lot of talent a big game uh, coming up against Michigan. Is that, that a big game, really? Uh, big game. That game really is going to be amazing to watch. A lot of intensity on both sides. But what's the scouting report on Joe Bocci? I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, me and Joe have talked. Uh, he's came out to our facility at Legacy to take a peek for training. Um, but, but yeah, he we, we've talked, and he's just such a great guy first. You know what I mean? Let's just start with the off-the-field stuff. Um, everybody I've talked to in the staff and 
um, in the community. They love him. Um, they think the world of him. And I think that's a true testament of the type of person he is. You know, he's a, he's a really good guy. Um, but him on the field, man, I, he he does. And the people I say remind me, around, remind them of me. And, and, I, and I totally agree with that. I really do. And um, I've had talks with him. I just told him, I said, man, if you can, break all my records, man. Do everything um, in the process. Beat Michigan. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, this game coming up, it's very important on him, honestly. Um, he's physical. He's cerebral. Uh, he's the leader on that team. I think he's one of the heartbeats, without a doubt, on that team, um, just all around, not just on defense. Um, he's, a, he's a great tackler. I, I think at the point of attack, he, he gets guys down. Um, and he, you know, he's an amazing. He has amazing ability to to jump up um, and get passes and everything. As we saw in that first game against Montana, it's not Montana State or uh, um, Utah State. Utah State. Yep. My goodness, sorry. Um, against Utah State as well. Um, and so it was one of those things that you know I, I I love Joe and I think he's I think he's a great guy, man, great player. So Michigan, Michigan State. How huge is that rivalry? And do you get up more for that game too because it is Michigan? Oh yeah. It's a defining moment. That game is a defining moment. Um, I'll be very honest with you. Your your career um, is defined whether or not how many times you beat Michigan. I'm just being honest. And with you, you remember that head to head record when you're playing against Michigan, don't you? All the time, all the time. You know, I get reminded, and you know, I get guys. You know, hey, you know, how many times you beat? I'll be Michigan three times. You know, that's right. I mean, you know, and so. Um, and, and no matter what, no matter what, how many you know, championships, whatever, it's that, that's what you're defined by. I mean, when, even when we went three and nine, when we went three and nine, it's like, it's like you're defined whether or not you be Go out and get that game yeah. done, though, still. Get, get As a Super Bowl, game. especially in a season like that, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get that game done. And then so, um, yeah, that, that's a defining moment um, if you're playing at Michigan State. I'll be honest with you, if you're playing at Michigan, that's a defining moment of that game and where you, where you stack up on that game, seriously. Did you really think Sparty would win last weekend against Penn State on the road at Penn I'll State, big you. underdogs? I'll be honest with you. The reason why I believe we could win because we have done it before on the road against a big team, right? Um, we did it against Ohio State with a backup quarterback, right? So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, the, the few things, everything that I thought about that had to go right went right, right? We didn't allow that many big plays from Penn State. They, I'll be very honest with you. They are a great opponent. I've always had respect um, for Penn State since I, since I was playing. I've always had respect for them. I, I played in the Joe Paul area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've had a tremendous amount of respect for them. I, I thought this. If we do well on special teams, right, because they have some great returners, we limit their return game, right? We make our plays when we got to make them, and we play as best we can mistake-free, right? Because um, the game, like against Northwestern, we had so many penalties and drop balls and all these other things, right? If we can limit those things and make our plays, we'll have a shot. I'm not saying you gotta, you're going to be perfect because right. no game is perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right. But you do those things, and we will have a shot, and I think we did that. Now, I'll be honest with you. When we ran a fake field goal, yeah, <laughs> that was surprising. I would my I I covered my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> you were scared to see the end result of that. I was scared huh? to see the end result of that, and uh, my heart dropped. You know, and and I knew I I get it. You know, it's a big game coming up. We got to pull out some stops. I get it. The fake punt, I love the fake punt. Awesome, that was great. That was outstanding. I, I didn't have any zero issues with that. Even if we didn't get it, I know people say, oh, we got it. No, but even if we didn't get it, 
I still had zero because that right there, if we don't get it, we're still in good enough field position. They get the ball our defense as well. Maybe they get a field goal out of, out of the situation. But to, to get that fake field goal, almost freaking score on the thing, man. I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, had he not stepped out of bounds there, was I was like, oh, I was hanging at the edge of my seat. But that seat. was exhilarating for you, right? Oh, my goodness. Fourth down like that to get a huge game like mm. that, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, send a shot at Penn State, hey, it is what it is. And then that, and to me, I love the fake punt because it sets up so much because now there's nobody rushing their punter. We had a new punter in, you know, with our, our guy going down. So we had a new punter going in. He's still getting his feet, you know, saddled as well too. But, but yeah, man, I, I, I really thought that we had a shot to win. I'm not saying I knew for sure, like I was 100%. I wasn't, I'll be honest with you. But I knew we had a, I gave ourselves a, a chance to win. That's all you could ask for. Why do you think Antonio has a knack for pulling off those upset victories when everybody else thinks there's no chance Barty wins his contest? Right. Uh, Coach D is about a respect. It's a lot about respect, like I talked about before. And the second you say that we shouldn't win a game, they immediately he's like, I'm going to earn that respect. Not to prove you wrong, but you're going to respect the fact that you better give us a chance. Because there was all these predictions of 56 points on us and 30, 37 to 7. You know, all these things, right, like a blowout. And and I think he, he, he kind of got a little whiff of that. And he knew what we were stacked up against, though. And he said, there's no way and he's going to give us a shot to win. Now, I'm happy to have Greg Jones here, former linebacker, Michigan State. I want to play you a piece of audio because I want to set the scene. One of the most exhilarating moments as a fan myself, being a strong Spartan supporter, I want to play this audio and take us through this play, a famous play known by all Michigan State supporters. So now the heat's on young Dan Conroy. In overtime, fourth down and 14. The ball placed down at the 36-yard line, right hash mark. Aaron Bates will hold. Alex Shackleton will snap. Dan Conroy with the biggest kick of his life. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. Charlie he can Gant. walk in. You know what? He went to Detroit Mercy then, too. For like his graduate studies. So yeah. I got to know Charlie a little bit, and yeah. he worked with the athletic facilities, like operations yeah. team and everything, yeah. and, and the athletic department. Yeah, he, so I got to know him a, a little PA bit. Now. He's a yeah, PA. look he's at him. He's happy. really worked his way up, so man. Smart dude. Yes. The play known as Little Giants, what was it like? I would like to say the play, people know it as Little Giants, but it's actually called the annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because nobody could say that that fast. So it became little giants. giants. Yeah, yes. much easier to come out of the mouth, yes. huh? Uh, I rem- so that week, funny. Uh, you know, Coach had installed that, and uh, he says, great, we're going to run this. I said, wow. <laughs> what did you think when you saw it? Do you think it could be pulled off when Without you a doubt. first saw it? Without a doubt. Um, there's so much, man. And I remember just recently um, going back and looking at it. I didn't know that time it ran out. I didn't know that, um, and when we got it off, uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't really see like every time I look at, it, I always forget Le'Veon toppling over some guy, uh, and then but I, but that play on of the day or at the game, uh, it was every, the, the play got called. Everybody knew it, and with that, everybody was said. Just act normal. <laughs> right, act normal. Yeah, as much as you possibly yeah, could. Yeah, like do something that you normally do. I'm <laughs> like, all right. And so uh, I was standing next to Eric Gordon, uh, my close friend, uh, who's now at MCM Staffing, is a partner at MCM Staffing, super happy for Gordon and Real Oak. Um, 
And I was standing next to him, and he was like, he says, bro, this is going to be freaking nuts. Yes. I said, I said, I just hope we get it. (laughs) Okay, now, obviously, the one that everybody wants to talk about when we talk about the recent history of the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, where were you? Because I was at a house that was pro-Michigan. Oh, I know what's coming. I was at the game at the big house. Yes, this is great. Yes. He was just laughing, by the way, right before the yeah. snap happened. I, I laughed. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe what I saw. Listen, that press box, I was in the press box, went silent. It went wow. dead silent at that point. Wow. Yeah. Great moment. It's great to great talk. Great moment for you guys. Yes. For me, a little Let's bit. Not it. as big of a moment for me, but anyway. Where were you? Because I think it's a sentinel moment because every Spartan fan was spinning like a top. It's the sentinel moment, well, man. You guys it's great. You guys couldn't believe it, right, that it happened. I'll Nobody be, saw that coming. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. Talk about honesty. I was actually still playing in the CFL. So you missed out on seeing that live, you're saying? I missed out. Oh, man. You missed it live. I missed it live. It hurt. Wow. I bet. I went back, watched the whole game. (laughs) Well, you had to. I had to. Um, so I kind of had it live in my own head, but uh, yeah, right. Uh, but that game was awesome. I laughed because I can't remember who's the announcer again. I can't remember who was that. Sean McDonough, who called Monday Night Football for a little bit. Now he's back calling college football games, too. When I always laugh when I hear whoa, yeah, whoa, right? <laughs> that his voice, everything, how he did, how it changed. Right. Just it was like pure excitement and joy, and uh, it was just amazing, man. And I remember uh, like just watching that game, and I got all these texts and everything, and yes. everybody and me like, Greg, did you see the game? I'm like, no, I'm like, I missed it. Working. What happened? Like, I hope we won. What are you talking about? I tried rushing home. Uh-huh. Um, my wife was like, babe, we did it. I was like, what are you talking about? And she says, you just got to watch it. You just got to watch it. And I'm watching this thing, and I'll be very honest with you. I'll be very honest with you. I'm thinking to myself, all he had to do, he didn't even have to, ball. Kick, to kick the ball. He didn't even have zone. to kick the yeah, ball. Run the end zone. You can do whatever Throw the ball. Yeah. Do anything. Just catch it did. and get down. Just almost too. And get yeah. Down. And that's, yeah. And that was the one thing he didn't do. Exactly. And on top of the fact, <laughs> I always laugh because, I, you know, I'm, I'm very detailed about this stuff. I, I always laugh because it almost looks like he literally, you can see he literally, as he's trying, it looks like he like almost gave the, the game ball. away. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. with both hands, the ball left those both, both yes. of his hands into our guy's hands and us to run it in and get escorted. I mean, that was the coolest escort, by the way, too. By exactly. Our guys. And well, great. how about the kid, the face, right? That yeah. went viral, too, of that kid in the stands the after the stands. that play happened. Yes. Now, Greg, the amazing part is because, you know, on this side of town, there's a lot of Michigan support. We hear a lot about the tradition of Michigan. Everything that Michigan does is great. All Spartan supporters have to say is trouble with the snap. Drop the mic. We walk off. We hold our our head held high. That's all we got to say. We can listen to Shea Patterson's great, Jim Harbaugh's God, whatever we want. We just turn and look and go trouble with the snap. Peace turn out. And uh, we feel good because it's the great memory because it was on their on their field, uh, the shock that every the, the shock that it sent through the entire uh, college football scene. Trouble with the snap. We got our own play, and it was great. And it's great to relive it with you. You man. mean it's you awesome. guys don't feel bad for Michigan faithful <laughs> having a heck no live that through it live to relive it now at not. the big house? Tell me, tell me, didn't I just perk up your mood just a little bit here and that? You know what? You perked my mood. You know what? Made his day probably. You know what? Right? Perked my mood. I was on. You know, I'm, I'm on Facebook, and uh, there's this uh, page for a lot of Spartans. And they highlighted since 2008 to now, right? 
How many wins do you think Michigan has? One. Two. I'm going to say two. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Two, two victories, and that's wins. it. Two wins. Hey, it's so, all about Harbaugh. So, Come on. So <laughs> you talk about tradition. Uh-huh. Who that's, has it now? You're right. saying it's state. Clear right. Cut, that's right? all I'm saying. Head to head. That's yeah. all I'm saying. It is in state's favor. Head to head. Head to head. In eight years, right? 2008 to 60. Or no, sorry, nine years, right? Mm-hmm. Two two wins. That's it. That's it. And and so and I remember all those games. I even because you know I was a part of the part of the change from 2008 to 2010. Um, those three years, and we won some close games. But one of those games went to overtime, mm-hmm. right? Me standing toe next to uh, to Brandon Graham, <laughs> and uh, we almost got into it at the, <laughs> bet, at yeah. the toss. You know, don't get me wrong, BG. You know, I'm, I'm a little not, bit of trash talking though, bit, right? Going back bit. and forth. I'm still, you know, I'm still happy for BG. You know, and, and, and you know, win the Super Bowl and, uh-huh. along with another Spartan, a former Spartan, Nick Foles as well too. Uh, but yeah, it was. I was like, man, I was like, this is this is amazing. So uh, to see the turnaround was came to man, I'm I'm pumped and uh, I'm I'm so freaking excited for this game. I got my tickets and I got I got my parking pass. I already got it all set, we got, huh? We got a babysitter. We are we are <laughs> yes. ready to take off and go. Yeah. So where can people, if they want to support your projects and find you, where can they find you via social media, Facebook, Instagram? Plug your stuff. Yes, I am on Instagram. It's Greg J five one three, and then I'm on Twitter. Um, it's just uh, Greg Jones fifty three fifty three on Twitter. Uh, I do not have a Snapchat. Um, you can't find me on Facebook. It's just my name, Greg Jones. Um, but yeah, that's those are my my three right now that I have. I may do Snapchat. I, I think about it. <laughs> it's a lot going on on that thing. Uh, but yeah, those are all the places you can find me as well, too. Greg, thanks for all the time, man. Thanks for coming in here and sitting with us in Dude. studio at the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, Dude, man. It was a pleasure. thank you for having me, man. I had so much fun, guys. Really, man. This was awesome, man. Thank you. Great stuff from you. And good luck to Sparty Nation on Saturday. And good luck to the Amazing Blue as well. To uh, Wolverine Nation. I have to say it. Uh, no. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. I had to go there. Right. You're right to counter with that, though, as well. Greg, adios. Adios, John, man. Thanks to you guys. Adios. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>